Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for this time together in your word. Help us just to be there, to listen carefully to your Holy Spirit as he speaks to us through your perfect word. I pray, Lord, for your blessing upon each of us, that we will not just know the things that you require of us, but you will give us and equip us for the things that we require to live a perfect life in your spirit. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, I can't see that clock over there, so okay, let me see. Joe told me I had so much time, so I'm just marking it here. Okay. You know, uh, <clears throat> Joe's testing me, you know. Last, last time I had two words. This time I have one word. So um, his goal is to cut it in half. But something tells me that that's really not going to happen that way. But it is fun to joke. So let's look at this right here. We're talking about the fruits of the Spirit uh, that Joe started last week. And specifically, we're talking about uh, joy. I don't think I need this, do I? All right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> we're talking about joy as a fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit. And um, Galatians 5.22, which is the one we're working on for each piece, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. My one word is that one on the right, joy. So, but I want to look at it as, as, just for a second and, and, um, and, and look at that. It is part of a, a bunch of what we would call quality. And the word that we look at is the word fruit. And, and Joe talked about this last week. Is fruit is in the singular. Yet it has all these things that are listed afterwards. And the... The word there where it says spirit is capitalized is the Holy Spirit. But the word is, is, a, is a, it's what they call present active indicative. I know you don't care. But it, what it means is it keeps on being. There's never a time that it doesn't keep on being. Okay? So we know that this is a continuous and that these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit flow continuously. And they don't flow one at a time. They flow together. Okay? They're all, this is one thing. It's not pieces. It's one thing. I'm going to get better at this, and it'll actually change. Yeah, there we go. I probably flipped it to another one. This is your Greek lesson for today, but it's one word. <laughs> and that word is kara. That's a C-H-A-R-A, -A, kara. It's where we get the word charisma or charismatic. We also get that word from it, too. It's joy. And the definition, this comes right out of, the, uh, out of one of the scholars' books called Danker. <clears throat> and it, the listing for it is... And this is specific to this word, and this word exactly in the case that it is written in this verse. Okay, and that's, that's important. There is actually 41 verses with this exact same word in the exact same context, in the exact same grammar in the, in the New Testament. So even though Joe intended one, the Holy Spirit gave me 41, okay? Just, um, but the definition is joy, gladness, rejoicing, the experience of gladness, the happiness of God. Okay? The happiness of God is the part we're keying on. So what I want to talk about for a second is what this joy, this joy it's talking about in this verse, what it is not. And I call these, I've written down little verses here, <coughs> that these I call the heresies of Christianity. 
And what happens is that when people don't feel the Holy Spirit, and I mean feel it, you know, what they do is they start contributing to God's work, okay? And the joke is that that's like getting outside of the plane wing on a 747 and pushing, okay? God doesn't need your help. You can't give help. You're just going to make a mess of things, okay? But the heresies are that if I don't feel the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and that joy, I'm going to act. I'm going to be happy, 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 happy. I'm so happy, Christian. I'm just... Uh, Oh, okay, maybe not. I got love, 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 Okay, those are heresies, okay? I have peace. I have the peace of God. Okay, if you haven't learned already, I love mocking because it brings out a real kind of that peace. Paul did the same thing. I like some of the things that he does. But the mocking is because when we do that, essentially what we are doing is we are emasculating the word of God. We are a heresy. Okay? We are blaspheming God's word when we do that. Because when you take the joy of a human being, it has nothing to do with the joy that God gives you. Okay? This is all about God. Okay? There's a, there's a peace that this takes place with. And the, and the joy that it's talking about here, along with these other pieces, they are inseparable. They are very similar in context to the Trinity. Okay? One God, but three persons. They're very similar to the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit that's talked about in, in Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. All these qualities that the Holy Spirit does. He teaches us. He's salvation. He gives us power. He gives us these, these, these fruits. He has all these qualities to them. It, just like the Holy Spirit, it has these qualities to it that are untouchable by us. Okay? We cannot manufacture them. We cannot enhance them. We cannot help them. They are either there or they're not. Okay? And when you think that you can somehow help other people understand that Christianity is love, and joy, and all those other things. What you do is you mock God, and people usually realize that you're a phony just like that. Okay? Some of the worst things that happen to Christianity and our reputation as Christians is people displaying this heresy. Okay? The truth is that, let me tell you how the context of this is. There's a, there's a, there's a verse, see, I can't put too many verses up here and pass Joe's test. So I kind of slide him in, you know, just a little bit. So I'm just going to give you the boiled down version here. On Romans 8 9, it says, you, however, you, and it's not talking about this part of you, it's talking about your soul. When you hear the word you, it's talking to your soul. That's the part that hears it, okay? It says, you, however, are not controlled by the old sin nature, but by the Holy Spirit. When you are controlled, when your soul, which is you, is controlled by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has control in that power. And this fruit flows out of it. Okay? In John 7, 38 and 39, I didn't really do that. These were just thoughts that came to me, Joe. I just want you to know. I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not doing a sleeper ball here. Just, yeah. um, it says here, and Jesus says this is really cool. He says, he says if, you are, if you believe in me, streams of living water will flow from you. And the next verse says, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit. 
It's not about you. It's about this flowing thing that happens through you. That's what these gifts are, okay? Um, they are not an objective. They are a result. You don't reach for them because when you reach for them, they flee from you. What you do is you obey. You read. You learn. You mature. You're filled. There are, three, there are three types of happiness in the scripture. One is called human happiness. It comes in two categories. These can both be had by believers and unbelievers. Okay? And what they can have is one of the happiness is given by Satan and by a, by a system. Now, if you watch television, you know who, these, who, who has these things. Many of them do. This is the rich, the famous, and the powerful. They are very, very happy. They are joy, joy, happy, 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 happy. The problem is their happiness depends on something that comes and goes. And when they die, it'll all be gone. Okay? But Satan does do that. And like I said, that can be done by humans who are believers and humans who are not. The second one, happiness for human happiness, and this is important to understand, is that the happiness that follows from this kind is commonly called, I call it divine establishment, and that's what I've heard it before. But most of us know it as the principles of sowing and reaping. There, when God has principles that when you obey them, you get blessings. Guess what? When I show up to work on time and I work, I get a great paycheck. That's a divine establishment principle. It's not a hard one. It's a real simple one. Okay? It's, this is a confusing one because you can do that. If you're a good husband, most of the time your wife will be a good wife and you'll have a good marriage. You don't have to be a believer to do that. Okay? If you're a good father, most of the time... Your kids will be great. Your family will be great. If you're a good worker, you'll have a job. You'll make money. You'll be the last one who's ever let go. You'll get promoted. All, you can be an unbeliever or a believer. Mormons and Catholics excel in those areas. And we get confused on them because we say, well, they have a great marriage. They must have something. No, they follow divine establishment. They do not have Jesus Christ. What they do is have principles, and they follow those principles. And those principles work for everybody, whether they're believers or not. Okay. They also work against Christians who don't believe in them. If I am a Christian and I don't go to work, guess what happens? I don't get a paycheck. I get fired. That's right. That's right. The Holy Spirit can be filled in me. I'm still going to be without a paycheck. Okay. The one we're talking about here is the third one. It's divine happiness. It's the happiness of God. Okay, <clears throat> When a believer gets saved, one of the first things he experiences is the joy. You ever be around them? They're like irritating. You know? They're just happy. They're the freest people on the earth. The, whole, the sins have been taken off of their back, and they're like free and happy. Remember those days when you first got saved? You're like, ah, I love this stuff. Okay? And then what happens is each day goes by, you sin a little bit more, you put a little more rock in that thing, and, you, and, and then the world returns to the way it was. Okay, this is an example of it in this verse here. <clears throat> I think I did this verse. Ah, there we go. Acts 15, 3. And the church sent them, them is uh, Paul and Barnabas, of context, on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. Now, if you remember this particular, this is 20 years after the, the cross. So... The first, if you remember, like the first eight years after the cross, Pentecost, nothing happened. It all stayed in Israel. 
And then the second stage of it, next eight years, went to Samaria. And then after that was Cornelius and it went to Gentiles. So that's what they're talking about. They did not expect Gentiles to be saved. As funny as that sounds, the Jews did not. So he's bringing it up here and he says, the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. That word is joy. They were overflowing with joy. Why? Because they love the Lord. They are the Lord's. And when they saw these people be saved, who they, if you remember 20 years ago, before this, they were calling them dogs. Okay? Now they're believers. Now they're brothers. Okay? This, this made joy to know that God did not restrict it to just Jews or even Samaritans, half Jews, but he let everybody have it. And that's why they were joyful. This is a joyful piece. And these people had that joy that we're talking about as a result of that salvation. They were filled by the Holy Spirit. I think I'm going back. Ah, there we go. What is this joy? Now, I took this from one of my favorite people. His, uh, his name is uh, Lewis Berry Chafer, Systematic Theology, Volume 6, page 207. He says, and he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and he's talking about the second one, this one particular, joy. And he says, in like manner, joy, which is the second named fruit of the Spirit, is none other than a celestial joy of God. That's heavenly. That's holy. That's what that word celestial means. So you kind of, it means other things, but in here that's what it means. He says, of God passing through or reproduced in the child of God. And that's potentiality. Okay, that means it can be, but it's not necessarily. Okay, because we know there's lots of believers who are miserable wretches. They're sad, they're depressed, they're angry, they're irritated. They don't quite have this celestial joy, right? Not hard to see. Okay, we'll talk about it because it shows up. It is not human joy stimulated or augmented, which means added to or brought up by divine influence. Okay, which means it has nothing to do with human joy. Zero. Okay, it's not yours. It flows through you. Okay, it's God's. It's always God's. We're doing good, Joe. Yeah, you have to have some fun around here, right? You can't always be... Uh, Okay, so <clears throat> this piece I really like here, uh, and one of the reasons being, and I brought it up, um, and I'm just going to read it. It says, um, Luke 11, 27 through 28, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is your mother um, who gave birth to you and nursed you. And Jesus replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word and obey it. Jesus Christ defines it. Now, I don't know about you, and most people don't think like I do, you're going to get a real ugly side of Richard Fenimore. This woman is the biggest moron who walks the face of the earth, okay? Because if you look at her, she's, I call her the first Catholic, okay? Because what she says is, blessed is your mother. Who's your mother? Who's got Jesus' mother? Mary, right? So he's, she is, and what looks like a compliment, but it's not. She's saying, no, Jesus, not you. It's your mother. Blessed be your mother. First Catholic. See, it was right there. I knew it was there. Um, and that, that blessed word is in the singular, just to let you know. So it's a singular blessing. Who gave birth to you? Now, how many mothers are blessed 
and joyful happiness of God stuff when you have a child at birth. I've heard it's not like that, okay? I remember my daughter was uh, born. Didn't break my hand, but it did hurt. Um, when your wife holds it, calls you names. And I'm just kidding you. Um, but <clears throat> or when you nursed him, or you nursed to, meaning Jesus. So the nursing part here is that because she brought the milk bottles out of the refrigerator, that's somehow a blessing. I don't think that's a blessing either. Although there is a blessing associated with it, it's a human blessing. This woman is completely off, 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 off base. Um, and, and let me tell you why. You have to know what's happening before this, okay? I think that many, many scholars would hate this woman if they really thought about it, because guess what Jesus was teaching just before she interrupted him? Yes, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, okay? Scholars and, and, and people who read the Bible are always saying, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? If she would have shut up, Jesus would have finished this, okay? And I'm, I'm joking there. She wouldn't have. Okay. But the other part he was also talking about uh, with, with them was, this, was, the, was the things that they were doing wrong. It's the pieces that were, were um, he, he was giving all this deep, deep doctrine. And she just sits there and says, wait a minute, Jesus, Jesus, bless your mom. And everything stops. Okay. I'd make a joke here, but I'd get in trouble. So I'm not going to make a joke. We're just going to move on. And it says he replied. It doesn't say, he doesn't, it does not say in the original language he replies. It says, you're wrong. And you can see that in the, in the context of the verse. It says, you're wrong, blessed, and that word is a plural for a plural for blessed. It means, blessed when you see it means happinesses. Okay, the happinesses, the joys, the blessings of God. Happinesses rather are to those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, I'm going to take a poke for a second. I told my class before this I was going to take a poke. Notice it doesn't say those who read the word of God. You know, it doesn't anywhere. All of them say, hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. Hear the prophet of God. Hear, 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 hear. Because God uses a gift that he gives to his people, and it's his gift he gives to them, as undeserving as they may be. He gives that gift to them so that you will learn through the Holy Spirit being spoken. Now, is this against, I'm against Bible reading? No. Uh -uh. Bible reading is really, really important if you already know something. But you will not learn from it except what you have already learned because that's the way that gift is set up. That's why God has preachers. That's why God has teachers. That's why God has prophets. That's why they're there. They are the conduit. That's why he says, blessed are those who hear. Not read. Hear. Look through it. You'll find it everywhere. Okay? And the other part is that not only do you hear it, but you have to obey it. Guess what you have to do just before you obey? Accept. Say, I believe that's true. So all your blessings are wrapped up in knowing the word of God, applying the word of God, and obeying the word of God. That's where they're wrapped up. So if you're not happy and joy and don't have the fruits of the Spirit, and you wonder why your life stinks, and you're a Christian, you became saved, it's because 
You do not hear the word of God often enough. You do not listen. You don't attend Bible study. You don't go to church often enough to hear the truth of God. And you don't obey it. And Joe said this is going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be the light side. No, reality is that the Lord defines it for us. This is the definition. If you have a problem in your life, it's because you do not know the word of God and you don't obey it. Might have to run, honey, later on, but never mind. We'll get, get through this. Um, this is the same thing that happens here. Now, in, in Nehemiah, he says, this is Nehemiah, and this is the time when they have returned to the land. So Nehemiah says, he says, go and rejoice. Now, I'm just going to stop there because you know what they do before this? Before this context, which is in verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I know what they do. And I'm just telling you, just in case you think I should be done in 40 minutes is they listen to Ezra read the word of God for six hours. See, Joe, you can extend our teaching time now. Six hours, okay? And what they do when they hear the word of God is they weep. They weep and they weep because they know that they as individuals and as a church, have not obeyed God's word. And when God spoke to them over six hours, they listened attentively, and they were convicted, and they wept. That's called repentance. Okay? Nehemiah is trying to encourage them. Okay, guys, stop weeping. Stop weeping. He says here, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some of those who have nothing who have nothing prepared this is this day is holy and this day refers to the tabernacles feast of the tabernacle which is 7 days long uh, and it's on the tabernacles that they do this because they are coming back to Israel okay they have been they have been removed from their country for 70 years by God as discipline because they did not obey him okay it says do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What does this tell us about joy? What does it tell us about its purpose? One of the reasons for the joy of the Lord is to be your strength in time of troubles. Joy of God is meant to give you strength. It is meant as what military people, Adrian, which I heard military people call logistical. This is logistical grace by God. God provides you joy in every part of your life from the time that you're saved. And he provides that so that when you mature, and as you mature and people start hating you because you start talking the word of God, that you will have that joy to remember and have hope in. It'll stabilize you. Okay? That's what that joy is. Okay? John 15, 10 through 11. Now, what was this one about? Let's see if we can find out what this is about. Okay. Um, he says here, he says, if you keep my commands, this is Jesus speaking again, you will remain in my love. Now, this tells you something about God's holy life that he gives to us. And Jesus is the one who's speaking. He says, if you, if you, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. The opposite is that if you do not keep my commands, what happens? You're removed from it. Okay which means that the love he's talking about was the love that Joe talked about last week, is the love of God. When you are in fellowship with God, his love is in you. 
It is the love that you love with. Okay? That's why I was making the part about, love you, love you, love you. Kiss Christian dog. Such a good Christian. I kiss, kiss you, love you. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I want to run. That's what happens to me. I get, I get, I get scared easily with things like that. Uh, guns don't scare me, but teenagers doing that scared me to death. But he says, so what happens is that this love that he's talking about, when you sin, you remove yourself from the love of God. You, 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 you separate. You break fellowship with him. Okay? You break it. And look what he says here. He says, just as I have kept my father's commands... This tells us something about Jesus. Jesus had no agenda except his father's agenda. That was it. He says, I do not do what I want to do. I only do what my father told me to do. He said. Okay? Jesus is not a free agent. We are not free agents. We don't get to do what we want. What made Jesus Christ the man great? was he obeyed his father's commands to the point of death on the cross. A horrible death on that cross. And remained in his love. Why did he remain in his love? Because he kept his father's commands. Never a time that he didn't keep that. Love is a system. Love is a power that God provides through us. It is his power. When you don't feel like you love somebody, you have lost that power. And I'm not talking about personal kissy-kissy love stuff. I'm talking about love compassion. I'm talking about respecting somebody even though they're an idiot. That's the hardest kind, isn't it? It's the hardest kind for me anyway. You know, even though they're goofy, you sit there and say, you know something? I wish I could help them. You know, only God can help them. But they won't listen. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. The happiness of God. Obey that, you not only stay in his love, but you get the joy. You get the happiness of God. The greatest is a great, great, great gift. It is the part that gives you, makes you content. I have learned to be content in all circumstances, whether I have a little or I have a lot. The peace that passes understanding, that's that joy and happiness that God gives to you. And you don't go get it. You don't scratch after it. You don't try to do stuff. It's given to you because you keep the Lord's commands and you stay in fellowship with his Holy Spirit and that water of the Holy Spirit pours out of you and it fills you and it contents you and it stabilizes you as a person. That's why it says self-control. You're self-controlled because it's not because you're self-controlled, but the Holy Spirit's power through you makes you self-controlled, makes you prudent. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Complete here is in a perfect tense, which means that once it happens, it stays there in this sense. And he's talking about spiritual maturity. Okay? He's talking about the completed action of joy. That's the purpose of joy. Joy is to sustain you so that you can mature in God's word as you move through life and make harsh decisions. Okay? First John 1, 3 and 4. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard. This is John talking. This is written in 96 AD. All the apostles are dead. Okay? It's 66 years after Pentecost and the cross. Okay? 
And he's saying he is the lone witness left, okay, other than maybe other believers. He says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. He's talking about the word of God. He's talking about Jesus Christ. So that you may have fellowship with us and that our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. What he's saying there is, is almost from our point of view, it's written backwards. He's saying, because we have fellowship with God the Father and God the, Holy, and God the Son, and because we have that, we want you to share that. Okay? We want you to share that. He is the witness of that. <clears throat> he says, we write this to make our joy complete. Okay? This is the part where you have joy of God because you are pulling other people to maturity. One of the greatest things you get to do as a teacher and as a pastor is to help people mature. God matures you. You get, this, you get to pass that on. It is a stabilizing factor that is missing from this country. Okay? And missing from most churches. The objective is in our book where it says to be like Christ. That's the objective. That's our goal. John 16, 24. <clears throat> Until now, you have not asked for anything. He's, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Um, and this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek. You boneheads haven't asked me for anything. Okay, If you remember what happened, how many times did Jesus say, you know, just ask me for the Spirit and I'll give it to you? And where do they go? Did they ever ask him for it? No. Finally, he got irritated, had, had to breathe it on him, right? And after that, they became stabilized. The, the, the power of the Holy Spirit can seem very quickly. If you look at Easter evening, when Jesus is coming, he comes into the room, remember? And his disciples are there, all of them, except for just 10 of them. Uh, Thomas is gone and Judas himself. So there's 10 of them there. If you remember what happens there, what happens is that they're all doing what? They're hiding. Doors closed. Those Jews are going to take us and kill us. Okay? So that's who they are after Jesus dies. Move at 50 days. Move at the Pentecost. Jesus has breathed the Holy Spirit on them. And, Peter, and Peter's there, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and he's speaking hell and damnation. He is just, he's just screaming and yelling at them. And how many, 3,000 people were saved in a single time. That's the difference between life with the Holy Spirit life without. That's the difference. God gave us this power to complete his joy and the joy of others who watch people mature and live a stable life, a consistent life, a powerful life. That's its purpose. And this is Peter here, 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. He's talking about Jesus Christ. You haven't seen him. These people haven't seen him. He writes this somewhere around 68 AD, it's just the year before he gets killed. He gets executed, okay, for the faith. You have not seen Jesus, but you love him. This is talking about the first love it talks about in Revelation. Remember it says, it says you have lost your first love, okay? If Jesus Christ is not your very first love above everybody in your life, your, your wife, your children, every single one of them, and the cute little ones, your mother and your father, then you do not deserve to be a servant or a witness for Jesus Christ. You don't deserve it. 
Because he has to be first. That's the love you start. That's called love. That's somebody who is occupied completely with Jesus Christ. And they think, what did Jesus do? How can I change what I do? How can I not be prideful? How can I, how can I be more like my Savior? Problem is, you have, to go to, you have to go to church to find that out. You have to listen to sermons and Bible studies. Because most people don't know who about Jesus Christ. You know what most Christianity does? And it's my mocking words in my class. It's like, it's like most people say to me, well, you know something? I want to be kind and sweet, just like Jesus. Okay? That's what they want. Jesus was kind and sweet as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. By the way, Jesus is also the one who killed the 185,000 Assyrians in Hezekiah, wiped them out in a single night. Jesus Christ is also the one in the Battle of Armageddon who will wipe out millions of people. But don't tell anybody about that part of the sweet and kind Jesus Christ because Jesus is also just. Getting in trouble, Joe. Oh. Joe's got a great sense of humor. He puts up with me. <laughs> okay, so um, even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. Now, this is not believe, salvation, believe. This is faith. We were talking in class before. It says, you know what happens when bad things happen? Is you have to have faith in who God is. You may not understand what happens around you. If your wife dies, your husband dies, your children dies, you lose your job. And if those things happen to you, and if our country goes straight to hell, maybe it's already there, but let's move on. Um, when our country has all these struggles, you're going to have to remember that God is in control of everything. And he still requires you to walk with him. And he still requires you to do your job as a Christian, to be faithful, to read, to show up in Bible study, to do all these things, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He requires that of you. And are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. That's the expectation. So if you don't feel that joy, I suggest you start coming to a couple more classes. Okay? Because God wrote it, and it's true. It is absolutely there. First Thessalonians 1.6 You became imitators of us, and of the Lord, for you are welcomed, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering and joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is backwards a little bit, okay? What it really should say is that you became imitators of the Lord, and we became imitators of the Lord, and you became imitators of us. See, it's kind of backwards, okay? What this says is that they are living just like Jesus Christ. Guess what? That's the standard. That's what the Holy Spirit is when you when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit flows out of you, and you are just like Jesus Christ. You are Christ on earth. My joke to my wife is always that how many Jesuses did you run into today while you were out in the marketplace? We should be running into them all over the place because there's Christians everywhere. 
And if they're doing their job, they would be imitators of Jesus Christ. How many Jesuses have you run into today? That's, you know, tongue-in-cheek joke. I know the answer to it because I didn't run into any either. Um, and I don't mean that as harsh as it sounds, but... Um, for you, welcome isn't welcome. It says you receive the message in the midst of suffering. You know what's really hard is that, that when you are suffering, to listen. And the, the, and the people of Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, um, were going through great suffering. They were the ones who thought that they missed the rapture, if you remember that part. They were suffering so bad, they thought they missed it. They thought the Antichrist had already taken over because they were being persecuted and murdered and taken things from as part of that. Okay, So they thought they were. But in the midst of that, even while that was all happening, look what it said. It says, with joy given by the Holy Spirit. They had joy in spite of that. Guess where it came from? Given by the Holy Spirit. Was it given to everybody? No. It was given to those who obey. Believing is just the first step. If you're a believer, congratulations, you're going to heaven. You'll be a great slave there. That's my joke. Never mind, you won't be a slave. But you won't have anything. My whole joke is, is that in reality, God has great treasures and great wonderful things for us, but we have to walk with him. This is all over the, the, the Gospels. Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven. Do great things. Do these things of God. Philippians 2, 1, 2, and 5. Philippians are some of my very favorite people. They, they are, in the epistles, the most mature church in the New Testament, hands down. Nobody even close to them. Okay? Therefore, if you have, this, see where you see the if there? There's four of them. It says, if you have encouragement. Those are what they call a first-class condition, if. There's four classes. And I'm not going to tell you which ones are which, but this says, if and you are. If and you are, it's true. When Satan was in, in, in the desert and he says, if you, are the, if you are the son of God, do this. Well, Satan knew who Jesus was, right? That was a first class condition. If you are and you are the son of God, do this. That's what it should have said because you have to translate that in the positive because it's known. So he says, if, uh, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, okay? And it says, if and you do have encouragement from being united in Christ. We are all united in Christ. Okay? There is an encouragement for that. There is a support. There is a comfort in being united in Christ. Um, if any comfort, if and there is any comfort uh, from his love. This love is the one we were talking about before. This isn't him loving us. This is us loving him. Okay? And when you think about it, that only makes sense. Because it is the degree to your love that you have for Jesus in your life that is the sound foundation of your comfort. It is your stability. Okay? If, any, uh, uh, common if any common sharing of the Spirit. This isn't common sharing. This word actually should be partnership. If you have a partnership with the Holy Spirit, and you do, if there's any compassions and tenderness, is the next words, and tender mercies, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Like-minded, what? That's having the same doctrine in your mentality so that you all think like Jesus Christ. 
Okay? No dissensions, all like Christ. Okay? And you get that with maturity as you become more like him. Okay? Having the same love, okay? That's the love of God. And being one in spirit, meaning unification. Not in the Holy Spirit, but one in spirit. Okay? You're unified. Okay? And of one mind. Doctrine of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the Bible, is in your mind. That's why Romans 12.2 says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not your feelings, your mind. That's what Bible doctrine does. It changes your mind over and over and over again. Okay? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Same mindset. Being like-minded. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it says, we as believers have the mind of Christ. And we are to be like-minded, like his. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 11. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stepped praying for you. This is what believers do. We pray for each other. We pray for churches that are not our own. We pray for all believers. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Wow. Guess what? God wants you to have the knowledge of his will for you. That's the plan of God for each and every one of you. All of you have that, okay? But you have to have the knowledge of his will for you personally, individually, and all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives wisdom and understanding. You understand, and when you take what you understand, the Word of God, and you apply it, that's called wisdom, Sophia. Wisdom is when you apply doctrine. That's what it is, okay? So that you may live a life worthy. See, it even tells you what's going to happen. When you understand God's word and you apply God's word, guess what? You're going to live a life worthy of the Lord. And you're going to please him in every way. The counter to this is, guess what? You're not going to please him if you don't. This is the only way. That's why God writes it in here. Bearing fruit. Sound familiar? First word we're at. Bearing fruit. And every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. That's called epinosis. That's the knowledge that you only get from believing doctrine. Not listening to it, but listening to it and believing it changes it to epinosis, which is called the knowledge of God. You have it. It's operational. It's waiting for you just to apply. Being strengthened with all power. Power of God. Power of the Holy Spirit. You have that available to you. Being strengthened in all power according to his glorious might, that's the might of God, so that you may have great endurance and patience. That's what it's for. Although Joe's going to talk about those. There's a delay in this. You know, I'm going to be over a little bit because of the delay. I just went to... Okay, we're almost, we're almost home here. Hebrews 10, 32 and 34. Remember those... Earlier days after you had received the light, salvation, okay? Uh, when you endured great conflict 
full of suffering. He's reminding the Jews of that. Um, and he's saying here, he says, sometimes you were exposed to insult and persecution, and other times you stood side by side with those who did. God expects us to endure through insult and persecution. So the next time somebody flips you off on the freeway, remember that verse, right? That's a joke. Okay, you suffer along with those who did. Um, accept, consistent, and accepted. This is part. I love this is the reason I put it in here. It says, "You suffered along with those in prison, joyfully accepted confiscation of your property." Somebody takes your property, which is what they did in those days, and you go, praise the Lord. Yeah, that doesn't roll off well, does it? But you get the point, that no matter what happened to them, they found the joy of the Lord. Because you know that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Where? Not here, but there. Here we go. We're here. This is the last slide. We're here. Second Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. Now, brothers and sisters, you want to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. That's the Philippians, Philippi. <clears throat> okay, specifically he's talking about there. In the midst of severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, you have to kind of know the context, but it means that they are going through severe trials as a people, as a church. They are being persecuted in major ways, not just confiscation, they are being imprisoned and all sorts of other things. Yet in there, they're overflowing joy. That's not them being happy about it. That's the Holy Spirit that resides in them, okay? Extreme poverty and welled up in rich generosity. This means, and we've talked about it, Joe was talking about it, is that this piece here is, means that they had very little money, but guess what? They took every piece of money they put together, and they put it together, and they gave that money to Paul to support him when he was, when he was taking care of the Corinthian churches. We have enough trouble hitting our numbers here, okay? These people had nothing. They were persecuted, and yet they gave rich generosity. This is an example. God puts these in us for us to correct ourselves, okay? When we, when we are correctable, we can walk with God, okay? Very last piece here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord here is, is the Holy Spirit. He is the God who allows us to rejoice in all things. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let's pray. Dearest gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you you've made provisions for us. And we don't have to bring our own love. We don't have to bring our own joy because we don't have enough and it's insufficient. But you give it to all those who seek you all those who obey you, all those who want to be like you. I pray for us as a church, Lord, that we will be convicted by these other Christians in history who have lived a life of joy no matter what happens to them because they know you and they trust you and your word. 
We may not know what happens around us, but we do know you. I ask these things in Jesus Christ's most holy, perfect name who did it perfectly. Amen.